This podcast is produced by Visionary Studios. Hi, everyone. I'm Mitchell Rail. And I'm Wade Clausen. And welcome back to Let's Unpack That. Today, we are joined by Reed Chandler. Reed, welcome to Let's Unpack That. How are you? How's it going? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. Yeah, thanks for making the, the train ride up. For those who don't know who you are already, um, tell us a little bit about who is Reed? My name is Reed. I am 31 years old. I live in Chicago. I've lived in Chicago for two years now. Moved uh, to Chicago from Des Moines, Iowa, where I spent um, I spent the last like 18 or so years of my life in Iowa. I just tell people I'm from Iowa, but I'm actually from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have a very thick Southern accent. You would never guess today, maybe, but. Um, <laughs> Family moved around a little bit growing up, wound up in Iowa, um, went to school there, started working in Des Moines, the capital, um, but just always wanted to eventually get out of Iowa and just live in like a a big city, a a city with an actual like queer community I thought would be really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, It was pretty small in Iowa. So um, yeah, that's what brought me to Chicago. I work uh, in corporate communications. I'm a writer. I do some video editing and stuff like that. Uh, I also host a podcast. Yes, you do. You host About Bravo. Yeah, it's About Bravo. If you are not, maybe, well, if you are a Bravo fan, then you probably know the iconic scene on Real Housewives of New York when Bethany has to tell Luann that Luann's lover, Tom, has Mm -hmm. been cheating on her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she's about to tell Luann on camera, and Luann knows it's coming, and she says, please don't say it's about Tom. And there's like this dramatic pause. And then Bethany Frankel says, it's about Tom. So that's kind of where the name, it's about Bravo gotcha. comes from. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. but it's me and two of my friends, Zach and Modesto. They actually started the podcast like two years ago. I'm more recently the third co-host. They brought me on in January. Okay. Um, and we do like a weekly uh, podcast, all things Bravo, but really with an emphasis on housewives. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we love housewives, talk about it once a week. So check I love us out. I yeah. love it. Well, before we dive into your story, let's talk about the housewives for a second. Okay, sure. <laughs> so first off, I have tried getting into the housewives before. Like okay. I've watched, I think I watched Salt Lake City because I was here Ooh. for like the drama. Like I was seeing some of the- Sure, Jen Shaw. Yeah, Jen Shaw. I get it. And so I think I watched like the bit of the first season and then I had like already seen what happened. So I like just never got around to it. So terrible. So that looks terrible. Okay, so what's, I, I want to ask, where's the best place to start? Ooh, okay, so I actually started my Bravo journey like two or three years ago. So I'm actually kind of fresh as well. Um, I didn't grow up watching Housewives. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually also started with Salt Lake because at the time, just that first season was out and I thought, okay, this is the easiest it's place one to season, start. right, yeah. But not the most exciting Housewives franchise to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I did Potomac. All my friends were obsessed with Potomac. At the time, it only had like five seasons. I think now it's like on its, it just finished their seventh season. So mm-hmm. still like in terms of Housewives seasons, that's not a lot. You can get through it in like a month or two. That was hilarious. Highly recommend. But really, if you're, if, if, if I had to really push you in one direction and it's like your one shot, like your one shot to give it a chance. And if, if, if this is not going to work, then you're never going to go back to housewives. Then I think I have to bet my money on real housewives of Beverly Hills. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, which is what I watched after Potomac, but it's just so iconic. Um, each housewives franchise has their own unique flavor, their own things. They bring New York Roni, 
chaos. Mm -hmm. um, Jersey, family drama. There's like a lot of family members involved. But then you look at like Beverly Hills and it's like money, um, drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would never admit it. I've, lots of pills being popped on that show. And just super iconic moments from the Amsterdam fight with Lisa Rinna um, and Kim Richards. I could go on and on and on. And if you haven't watched none of it's going to make sense, but I highly recommend it. Okay. Beverly Hills. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you want to hear Reed talk about um, all things Auschwitz, you can check him out on About Bravo. Well, let's get back to you, Reed. Yes. So you grew up in Mississippi, in Iowa. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what your experience was like growing up in those places and then coming into yourself as a gay individual. Yes. It is the year 2023. I have been out of the closet for 11 years. Congrats. That, thank wow. you. It, it, uh, <laughs> it's crazy to think that I've been an openly gay man for more than a decade of my life. Considering there was a time in my life, like so many people probably can relate to, where I felt like I was not ever going to be able to be that person. Um, just being terrified to even say it out loud or in the mirror at my own reflection, I'm gay. Like I remember being in middle school, I'd say middle school, around, around fifth or sixth grade, honestly, is when I started to know I was different. Mm -hmm. I started to realize that I didn't find women attractive the way that my friends did. It's around that age that kids start discovering pornography. I was certainly exposed to that as well. And I remember one time in middle school, we were at a sleepover. I think it was at my house, actually, on our family computer. And my friend was like, you guys have to see this. And it was like, <laughs> it was like anime like girls with like big, gigantic boobs. Like, oh no. <laughs> he was like, my older brother, show me. And I remember like everyone being like, oh my God, it's so hot. And I remember like, <laughs> so like just, I want you to like imagine like, there's like, I'm in the computer chair. Like I'm in the, I'm in the cockpit. Like I'm the driver of this experience. And there's like seven or eight other young middle school age boys kind of huddled around me around this family computer zoom in on that one. And I'm sitting here having to pretend that I'm like so turned on, amazed by this part. And I remember I just felt like sick to my stomach. I was like, this is gross. Um, <laughs> which like is also kind of an overdramatic reaction to cartoon boobs. But <laughs> I, I remember in that moment being like, this is not doing for me what it's doing for everybody else here. And that was kind of when things started to make sense. Um, I had like all my little crushes. I remember uh, I used to watch Lizzie McGuire on Disney Channel mm -hmm. and I had the biggest crush on Gordo. Mm. I thought Gordo was the sexiest motherfucker to walk this planet, which is so funny to think about now. <laughs> the people that you find attractive when you're like going through puberty and like finding yourself, like, oh, it's embarrassing. Oh yeah. Um, there's some really... Uh, interesting people that I thought were just, I just saw beauty in a lot of different people. Let's put it that way. Um, I dated girls. I dated girls in middle school, high school. I had a girlfriend the first semester of college. I tried to- Did you hook up with girls then? Yes, I okay. tried to, I never went all the way. So I am like what they say, what do they call it? A gold star gay. But I don't know if you could, if I can, I'm probably like a silver star gay because I like almost got there. 
but I could never quite bring myself to go all four bases, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and everything up until home, the home base was just felt like work. Felt like I was just, I had to really disassociate. Like, I mean, it was not fun for me. And, um, at the same time I had a friend who was also gay. We kind of figured each other out. And while neither of us were willing to admit we were gay, we both were very, very Christian and did not think that was okay. We, we experimented. Mm -hmm. So um, we would experiment, we'd hook up. And then as and soon when, as- when is this in your life? Oh my God. The first time it happened was the summer between eighth grade and freshman year of high school. Okay. So I was kind of, wow. I was kind of getting started a little early, I think. But um, I remember every time we would hook up and then we would like cry and like pray together to like not do this again. And then like a week would pass. And then like the next Saturday night, it would be like the what you do in text. But imagine like on a razor phone, cause it's like 2007. <laughs> so um, I was kind of living two lives. Cause like I was, I was experimenting with guys in secret, but then like the, the, the read that I tried to convince myself I was and that everyone else saw, had a girlfriend and was, you know, all these things. So I was like outed a few times throughout uh, middle and high school. Like I always danced around it. I always was able to gaslight people into thinking that that person was lying or I always had like an alibi. I was really good at getting out. So like I, I say I was outed, but like no one walked to, if they did believe I was gay, they didn't, I didn't think that they, they did, you know? I, I kind of always had a cover story, I guess. And then I went into college and I guess I'm kind of skipping over like a really significant thing in my life. Like I grew up in a very Christian conservative family. Um, and so that is not some, I'm not special. I know a lot of people did. Um, but I think it's something that isn't talked about enough. Mm -hmm. So if, yeah. if you want to speak on what your experience is like, yeah. I think it's valuable. I'm sure a lot of people can relate, but just feeling like, you know, I'm going to go to hell. Mm -hmm. And so like I prayed to God every night before bed, like Jesus, please make me straight. Like, I don't want this. Um, I remember like I got, in, I was in this little phase in college. I ran a marathon. I ran the Chicago marathon. I was like marathon training. And like, I would run like a 20, I'd go on like a 20 mile run. And it was like so hard. And I remember like the way I would motivate myself to finish the workout. I would like, this is so bizarre, but I would compare the 20 mile run I needed to finish to my struggle against homosexuality. And I would, I would, I would, I would use the motivation of finishing the, the run as like proof to Jesus that I can like get through this homosexuality thing that's happening to me. And like, if he just will help me. So it was kind of like, I was using like my race training as like a way to like personify this internal struggle I was going through, if that makes any sense. And yeah, in college, I joined a fraternity. I was really struggling with my identity in that fraternity. And there's some toxic masculinity that comes with fraternity culture. And a lot of like my, fraternity brothers were constantly trying to set me up with girls. And I just felt like I was being pressured into like, I made the mistake of saying I was a virgin. So then they like wanted, it became everyone's goal to have Reed lose his virginity. So like, I remember multiple times, like they would like push me into a room with a girl and like close the door and be like, have fun. <laughs> and I'd have to be like, uh, so I love your shoes. Um, <laughs> and it was just like a really bizarre time for me. And so I had a girlfriend first semester of college. Um, just really same thing happened with her that happened with every girl before I 
started off really infatuated and then within like a week or two just felt like there was no emotion. Like I just had no, I didn't, I, I, it wasn't that I didn't like them. I just didn't have like that. I, I'm not, I'm not straight. So I, I didn't have that romantic spark. You have this girlfriend for the first semester of college. Yeah. Do you tell her that you're gay? Like, is that ever communicated with these partners or do you guys just go your separate ways? No, I, I was not ready to come out yet. Okay. But, um, so like when I broke up with her, it was more of like, I just don't feel the spark I need to feel or whatever. Okay. Um, but like I was her first like official boyfriend. I was either her first kiss or one of her first kisses. So I just felt like I was like corrupting this girl. I just felt guilty. And like yeah. she wanted to have sex, but she wanted to wait until our six month anniversary because it, it, was, it, was it was her virginity. And I, I remember there was one night where I was like actually like, physically able to have sex with her. And I was like, wait, this never happens. Let's do it. Hurry up before it goes away. And she was like, I want to wait. We were at three months. And she was like, I want to wait three more months. And I remember being like, I cannot wait three more months just to lose my virginity so that I can get points with my frat bros, like, and, and, and throw the scent off my trail of being gay. I can't do that to her when like, this could be something that like, she should lose her virginity to someone more. Especially when it's important to her, you know, you you don't want to like, yeah. And I didn't want to be that person. So breaking up with her, you know, she was hurt and she didn't understand, but I was like, Maybe this is like self-righteous of me, but I felt like I was saving her from me <laughs> a little mm-hmm, bit, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The summer before my sophomore year, I had a really, really low point where I actually like, I remember thinking about like suicide being an option. If I can't be straight, I'd rather die now and go to heaven than live and be gay and go to hell when I do die. So like I was thinking maybe Jesus would be okay with me taking my own life because I wouldn't be gay for the rest of my life because I wouldn't have the rest of my life. So that's how dark it got. And I um, actually researched conversion camps and I found one. And I wrote a letter to my parents telling them I was gay and that I needed their help and that I needed them to enroll me in conversion camp. And when was this? So this is the summer before my sophomore year of college. And so I was driving home. They lived in Springfield, Illinois at the time. So it was like a three hour drive from Iowa City. I remember I was driving home for the summer and I was rehearsing the letter to myself in the car and I couldn't get through a single read through of it without just breaking down crying. I had to like pull over. I couldn't drive on the highway because I was just so distracted and just so I was a mess. Um, And I crumpled up the letter and I don't remember if I threw it out the window or if I just put it in, I don't know. I got rid of the letter. I didn't do it. I, I, I chickened out. So I, I'm telling you that because it's crazy how quickly things pivoted. So I was at this really, 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 like that's like rock bottom right there, right? And then like a couple months later, fall semester of sophomore year starts and I come back and I get this job at our student call center and this guy walks in and I just immediately was like enamored with him. Like I just knew immediately that I wanted to like get to know this boy. I was just, I had a huge crush on him. Didn't know if he was gay or not. Kind of got the vibe. Sat next to him like every day at work and like made small talk. Walked home with him. He like, pl- he like did not show the same level of interest in me. It was like I was really pursuing him. But then we ended up going to like a staff party got drunk, went back to his place like to, to smoke weed and then ended up making out. And it turned into this whole thing 
where I was like, I knew it. Ended up getting in like a secret relationship with this guy. And I was only like, I was young. I was like 19, 20. But I, 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 at the time I would have told you I was in love. You know, I don't know now like what that, what it was, but I, I know in that moment, that's what it felt like. Was he out? No. So he's actually (laughs) still not. Okay. So he's bisexual and he had only dated women before me. And I know in the gay community, we often like belittle bisexuality and even claim that it doesn't exist, but I do believe that it's valid and that it exists. And I know, I know that for many, many gay men and myself included, we might say we're bi at first to like soften the blow Mm -hmm. of being gay, but that doesn't mean that there aren't real bisexual people. And I know for a fact that he really is a bisexual person. Yeah. Queer community in general, like I think too often cannibalizes its own, like turns on its exactly. own. Like we're already being attacked from external forces. Like let's not have internal fighting as well. Or the people that are like taking out the T and the Q. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So I think the same thing goes with the bisexuality argument. We got to the point where he told me he loved me. We were spending a lot of time together in secret and I be- those became like my safe haven. Like I looked forward to those times Everything else was like pretend. And then like mm. with him, it was like I was the real Reed could actually come out and be be free. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember when he told me he loved me, I was so afraid to say it back because in my head, I envisioned myself at a fork in the road. And if I said, I love you back, which is what I, and I knew I would mean it, but I was taking this path mm. or I could take the path of like righteousness of God, of, of Jesus. So for me, there was no, I know that there's a lot of like, gay Christians out there. And I think that's totally valid. But for me, that was never an option. It was never, you can be Christian and gay. Mm -hmm. It was one or the other. That was how I felt. Is there a certain thing in your upbringing that you think formed that idea for you? I mean, I grew up in a Southern Baptist community. I mean, baptism is one of the most extreme Mm -hmm. sects of Christianity. Baptism, Baptists are literalists. So like they take a literal interpretation of the Bible. So Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities got destroyed by God because of all this stuff. That was because people were gay is what I was told. Like all these things. Mm -hmm. So he and I agreed that after the summer, we would come out together and move in together at some point in the future. And I truly thought this was my person. My parents met in high school and have been together ever since. And so many straight people like seem to find their person like right away. So I just, at the time I truly did think like, there's no way I'm gonna have a boyfriend after this. Like, this is it, right? Little did I know. We ended up going on internships that summer separately in different cities. Like communication fell apart. We were not talking a lot. And by the middle of the summer, we broke up over the phone. And it was really devastating for me. I felt like, all of this was a lie, even though it wasn't. I just felt like so hurt. And I hadn't come out to anyone really. And I had this girlfriend in my internship program in DC. Her name was Alexis. She's still one of my best friends. Shout out Alexis. I know you'll watch this episode. I just officiated her wedding last fall. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and I, I texted her. I said, can we go for a walk? I need to talk. She was like, sure. It was like a weeknight. We went for a walk around Georgetown University and uh, told her I was gay. And I told her that my boyfriend and I just broke up and I'm devastated and she had no idea. And like, we had been friends all summer. And so she just immediately was there for me and it and became like my rock. And to this day, like one of my best friends, never have lived in the same city as this girl, but we have like weekly or bi-weekly phone dates, like just a friend that I've kept in my life ever since that summer of 2012. So at the time I was like, okay, I'm not going to come out. I guess I'm not going to come out now. Like he and I were going to come out together. 
and now we're not together. So I guess I'm just not going to come out. And I had to have one of those like pick yourself up the up off the ground moments, like get over your own pity party, kind of smack yourself across the face, get it together, read. Why would you, of course you should still come out. Like, why would you come out for anyone other than yourself? It should have never been for him anyway. And if you were ready to come out with him, you should be ready to come out without him. And, um, looking back, like with so much time past now, you know, um, I'm so thankful for that relationship. I don't regret a single thing. I'm so glad that I had that relationship because that relationship did exactly what it was supposed to do for me. It got me ready to be myself. It got me into a place where I was not scared anymore. So came back from that internship in August, had a week maybe home before school started and began to prepare for my coming out. So I, I wanted to start with my family and then work my way into my social circles at school. Um, and so I was, you know, I was terrified my parents were gonna kick me out. I wanna preface that with saying that my family is great. I've always been close to my family. I have two parents that have been together my entire life. I have one younger brother, four years younger than me. He's one of my best friends and we're a very tight knit family. I have an amazing mom and an amazing dad. It's just because of the way that the belief system and the way I was raised, I just thought there's no way they would want to love me anymore. There's no way that they would want me to be in this household anymore. So I had a bag packed. I was prepared for them to kick me out. And I think that that's really important to talk about because fear has this way of doing things to our brains. Fear will make you think that the worst possible thing is actually very possible mm -hmm. when it's probably not that possible. You know, like it's not that realistic. So I thought they'd kick me out. So I decided I'm going to tell my younger brother first. And then the next night I'll tell my parents. So that way, if I get kicked out, he knows what's going down. So I sat him down. He was in high school at the time. And I told him I was gay. It was very scary. And I kind of did a lot of rambling, telling him like why I knew I was gay. I tried with this and that with girls. Can't, you know, I tried to like justify it to him. And the whole time he was just quiet and his hands were kind of shaking. And I thought he was really mad at me. And he was like, I need a minute alone. And I, I was devastated. He was like, I need a minute alone. So he goes to his room and I just thought I, I, thought I had let him down. And um, he comes back out and his hands are just like quivering. He takes a deep breath and he says, okay, everything you just described, I'm going through right now. My jaw hit the floor. I had never even like considered that my brother could also be gay. He and I are similar in so many ways, but also so different. I'm more extrovert, he's more introvert. Um, I dated girls and put up the front. He has never had a girlfriend never even tried to put up a, like, so not totally alike in those ways. But, um, and like, I handle things with dark humor. Like the first thing I said was, mom's gonna be fucking pissed. Like, <laughs> not one, but two yeah. gay kids, like, we're gonna kill her. Uh, and at the time he was like, well, now that I know that you're gay, I'm never gonna come out. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, I've, it was really this sad, deep conversation we had where he basically told me like, I've always been in your shadow as the younger brother. Uh, I feel like, you know, we, we did the same sports. He actually joined the same fraternity as I did when he went to, uh, he went to Iowa as well. Um, we, we both were president of, our, of that fraternity. Like we have a very similar path in life. And I think that as my younger brother, he was tired of just doing all the same things that his older brother did. So I think the fact that we're both gay is now also kind of like really, like I, I have to have this. 
I can't have my own thing one. So I think he was feeling like, well, you're already going to let them down. I'm not going to do it a second time. And I was like, you know, you're 16 right now. I never in a million years at 16 thought I was ever going to come out. So relax. Maybe you'll meet someone like I met someone that'll change your perspective. You know, that was a, a bonding moment. He didn't come out for years after that. Like it was still kind of a thing. We even didn't talk about it for a few years because he just wasn't ready to talk about it. But when he was in his final year of college, um, he was in a better place and, and came out and, and we talked about it. So love having that relationship with him. And I'm happy to talk more about that too. But just to quickly wrap up the coming out story, came out to my parents the next night, did not get kicked out of the house. Um, I'm not going to say that they were like jumping for joy, but they were certainly, we're always going to love you, Reed. We're always going to be your parents. You're always going to be our son. And like my, the first thing my dad did was get up and give me a hug. It was very emotional, but um, went to college, started soft launching my coming out to some girlfriends. Cause you know, your girlfriends aren't going to, aren't going to judge you. Yeah. Your guy friends. I don't know. So soft launch with a couple girls. And then by the end of the semester, I was ready to tell my five best friends that like I was just, they were my ride or die guy friends. And conveniently, I kind of planned this. I decided to go study abroad. So I decided to study abroad in Australia um, that spring Casual. semester. Casual Australia. Yeah, oh, and I, I ran away. So what I did was I, I, it was finals week. I came out to my five guy friends. They took it so well. I was, once again, like fear will do crazy things to the mind. I had no reason to worry. They were so accepting. In fact, even one of them was like, I've always said we needed a gay guy in our group. Like, this is perfect. So it was like a really positive experience. And then one of my friends, he was like, don't worry, Reed. Your secret's safe with us. Like, we won't, we won't tell people. And I was like, no, no, no. You don't understand what I'm at. Like, that's not what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> I leave for Australia in two weeks and I would love nothing more than for you to tell everybody. Gossip, you're a little hard out because it's coming out as exhausting. And I had, at that point, I had told my brother, my mom, my dad, a couple of girlfriends, um, a high school buddy, and then like five guy friends in college. Like coming out is not like a one and done. Mm -mm. It's exhausting. So I was just like, you guys can do all this work for me while I'm in Australia on the beach. And so I went to Australia and, I, and I, I made two promises to myself. Promise one, I'm gonna be myself, my authentic self from day one. So if that means I have to come out on day one to this program of students that I just met, like I'm gonna do it. And I had to, and I was terrified. Like the words barely came out, but I was like, I'm gay. Came back and by that time it had, the, the news had, it's old news at that point. So people weren't, you know, it wasn't a big deal. So to close the loop on what you asked earlier about my girlfriend freshman year, and did I tell her? So I didn't tell her. And so when, when the news got to her, when the gossip was being spread while I was in Australia, apparently she like broke down crying. She was, it was like, she was drunk. They were like all at the bar, but she like broke down crying. I guess she did have like one high school boyfriend or something that also turned out to be gay. So she was convinced that she was like turning men gay. So, um, I came back for my senior year and I would see her around, but we didn't really like commute. I knew that I should say something, but we just never quite did. And then the night before graduation, the night before graduation, we were all at this bar and like singing some, I think it was like Sweet Caroline, mm -hmm. you know, very college thing. 
And I remember like, I was drunk enough. I went up to her and I was like, can I talk to you for a second? And she was like, sure. And I pulled her to the side and was just like, I just want you to know, like, I know when I was abroad and you heard, you found out I was gay, like it really hurt you. Like some of my friends told me how that affected you. And like, I just want you to know that that relationship, I said it wasn't a lie. And what I mean by that is I genuinely did like you. I wanted to make it work. I was still working through who I am. You did not turn me gay. You are a wonderful person. You deserve to be with a wonderful person. I'm sorry that that wasn't me. And I'm sorry that, you know, you got, you kind of got caught in the crossfire of me figuring out who I am, but I just don't want you to feel like you did anything to influence me being gay. Like it wasn't that. And she once again, like cried. I was like, that's all I ever needed to hear. And like gave me a hug. It was just really cute. It was closure yeah. for the both of us. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just end my long rant there on, on that <laughs> because you had asked about, did I tell her? So I did eventually tell her. That's good. That's yeah. good. I'm glad you had, yeah, like, had yeah. that like to close the chapter, yeah. right? So you graduate college, but you're still in Iowa. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what is the start of your of your professional career like? So I studied journalism, broadcast journalism. I was a, lo a, a local TV news reporter for a few years. I now work in corporate communication. So I did. I went to the dark side, as they say in journalism. <laughs> I graduated in 2014. That was the year that Iowa legalized same sex marriage. And I think Iowa was the first state to do so. Um, in 2012, when I was still in college, when I was dating that one guy in secret, we actually were out to eat together when NBC News broke the news that Barack Obama in an NBC interview just stated that he supports same-sex marriage. It was the first time a sitting president had ever said something like that. And I remember watching that on my iPhone mm -hmm. and being like, oh my God. Um, so you have to keep in mind that when I was graduating and when I was entering the working world, like the idea that like being gay is okay was still not... And I know it's still not fully that way today, but I think that today there's a little bit more of an acceptance around being gay um, than there was even five, 10 years ago. So mm. I was afraid about how it, would, how it would impact my career if I came out. And um, starting at this news station, I just didn't, I, I didn't tell anyone I was gay for the first six months. I was really scared. My very first day on the job, I shadowed another reporter and we were in the car driving around town and he made some comment like, yeah, you're a young single guy. Like this town is perfect for you. Like there are so many hot girls here. Read, are you married? Do you have a girlfriend? No? Okay. You're going to be so set, man. Like you, you're just going to just be single. Just have fun. And just the whole time assuming that I, that's what I want to do, right? Is just go be a player with, and with girls. Um, and it just really made me feel like, okay, this guy's going to think I'm he's going to be homophobic if I tell him that I don't like girls. Um, so I was really scared for like the first six months of my time there to just be who I was. That slowly, I, those walls came down and I eventually, you know, was proud of who I was and, and, and things like that. But um, yeah, even to this day, like back to me saying that you come out, coming out is not a one and done. Like yeah. every time I start a new job, every time I enter a new space, it feels like, okay, who am I going to have to come out to now? So when did you move to Chicago? How old were you? I was 29. Um, so I moved two years ago. So uh, March of 2021. What was that transition like from Iowa? From Iowa. So Iowa has a really small uh, queer community. You kind of know everybody. Um, and I, that's not a diss on Iowa at all. Like 
I'm proud of the queer community in Iowa. They're, they are facing like a lot of adversity right now with things going on in, in the state legislature. But moving to Chicago, it was just such a breath of fresh air to just immediately become immersed in a, in a queer community of all walks. So like I had a lot of gay cisgender men in my social circle in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And I certainly still have plenty of gay cisgender men in my social circle now, but I have trans and non-binary friends. I have friends who don't look like me. Mm. I can't stress enough how important it is to surround yourself with people who don't look like you. Um, it just really helps, I think, personal growth and understanding empathy and understanding um, other people's struggles and, 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 and your own privilege too. Mm. Because I think as a white cisgendered gay man, like it's not lost on me how many privileges I have. I also think that I can be straight passing. Now watch me listen to this podcast back and be like, you sound so gay. But, <laughs> but I do like think that I can come off as straight if I need to. Not everyone has that luxury either. Some people can't just flip a switch and, hey, what's up? What advice would you give someone who is maybe struggling to accept themselves? Like, I would tell them a version of what I told actually my younger brother when he, shortly after he came out to me. And like I said, we, we went a couple of years without really talking about it after that because he wasn't quite ready to, but I would every now and then kind of pry a little bit. So that thing we talked about, like, mm -hmm. how are you feeling? And I remember one time him just saying like, I don't know like what I am. Like, I don't know if I'm bi or gay or I don't know, Reed, like stop asking. And I just could hear like the exhaustion and the sadness in his voice. And I remember saying to him, that's okay. You don't need to know. Like you don't have to have a label. You don't have to be bisexual. You don't have to be gay. You can just be you. Like you like this person, go on a date with them. You like this thing, do it. Like, don't worry. You know, you like the color pink, you like the color blue, like, you know, the whole gender, like whatever you like, just be that. And I think that it's great that we have, we have so many labels now because we've, we're, we're, we're making, we're creating space and, and holding space for all identities, not just one or two identities. And that's great. But I don't want that to backfire into young people feeling like they have to pick one. There's only one you, no one else can be you. No one else can be like you. No one else can offer what you can uniquely offer. Find the people that you feel supported and loved by, even if it's an online or a virtual community, find that. Um, because as, as dark and as grim as this is going to sound, queer people, have to first and foremost survive. Like that is the first thing I think we all have to do in life. Um, and I just do what you have to do to, to do to, to survive, you know, do what you have to do to be here tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the most important thing. Yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah. Thank you, Reed. Well, do you want to give everyone your socials so they can follow you? Sure. Uh, Instagram, Reed Chandler. R-E-I-D-C-H-A-N-D-L-E-R. -E and then uh, Twitter, The Reed Feed. Amazing, yeah. amazing. I love it. It's a good brand. Yeah. 
Well, thank you guys. And thank you, Reed, for being here. You guys can follow us on Instagram at UnpackTHT and on TikTok at UnpackThatPod. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys right back here every other Thursday. Bye, everyone. Bye.